Psalm 3. A Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Wonderful. Thanks very much, um, Laura. Um, let me add my welcome to Johnny's. I'm Chris Evans, assistant pastor here. Um, let me pray uh, as we come uh, to hear from God's word. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you are unchanging and that your word is unchanging in its power to bring life to bring encouragement and comfort and to work powerfully in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would be at work within us now by your spirit as we listen to your word. Please speak to us with the encouragements, the challenges that we need. We thank you that you know our hearts and we pray that you would take at the words of this psalm and press them into us that we might follow you more faithfully in the week ahead, and indeed in the year ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder, how uh, do you cope under pressure? How do you cope under pressure? Um, sometimes pressure puts perspective on things, doesn't it? Um, sometimes pressure means that we bring our A game. Um, sometimes it kind of moves us into a higher state of consciousness. Some of us really thrive on having um, a deadline or having lots of things going on. Sometimes people say, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. They know how to fit things in. Some of us thrive under pressure, but others implode. Um, some of us find ourselves absolutely paralyzed and fuzzy-brained, and we, we, we don't know what to do. I wonder which camp um, you land in. I wonder, as we look ahead to it, to a new year, um, whether, whether you feel like that. Often we, we talk about New Year's in quite optimistic terms, don't we? New starts, new things. But often New Year's come with lots of pressures, lots of unknowns, lots of fears. How do you cope under pressure? Well, some of us thrive, others implode. Um, but not many of us manage to do what David does in this psalm. Uh, psalm 3 is a psalm on the run, a psalm under pressure. I wonder if you spotted in the heading, it's written, when he fled from his son, Absalom. After years of being king, 
And we read in 2 Samuel 15 that David's life is turned upside down. His own son, Absalom, takes the kingdom from him. Uh, This isn't just any old betrayal, but one from your own flesh and blood. Someone so close to you. Maybe it sounds familiar to some of the events in number 10 this year. David is on the run and under about as much pressure as we can imagine, afraid for his life. But what does he do? Have a look at verse 5. He sleeps. He sleeps. How can he respond so calmly, so confidently, when he is under such pressure? Well, that's the key to this psalm, because pressure and sleep aren't natural bedfellows, are they? I wonder what pressures you might be feeling, what might be keeping you up at night. This is my prayer that as we have a a quick look at this psalm, the pressures and fears that, that we might feel about the coming day, about the coming year, that Psalm 3 will help us to look them squarely in the eye with the same confidence that that David has. But more than that, more than just look them in the eye, I hope we'll also be able to then close our eyes in sleep like David did, knowing the security and safety that we have in the Lord who doesn't slumber or sleep. We're going to do three quick kind of passes through the psalm, or the first will be a bit longer, Um, looking firstly through David's eyes, and then secondly, seeing how this psalm points to to Jesus, the true king that David points to, and thirdly, what this psalm speaks to us. So let's dive in. Reading through David's arms, uh, we see four things, a sort of four pairs of verses. Firstly, that he is oppressed. He's out of the city, off the throne, on the run, and heavily outnumbered. Did you spot that the word, the word many, there are many people around him three times. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me. It's like this tide rising higher and higher. It's obvious to David that, that, that man is out to get him. But if he starts to listen to what man is saying, he might start to think God is against him too. Have a look at verse 2. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. This is David we're talking about. David, the man who defeated Goliath to bring peace and stability. David, who is God's anointed king, who God promised would have a descendant on the throne forever. God won't deliver David? Has God changed his mind? How easy would it be for David, under pressure, to doubt? Oppressed all sides by man and maybe... Abandoned by God? Imagine him looking out on a new day after weeks on the run, maybe even a new year, with all of that whirring around his mind. Imagine trying to sleep. But what does he do with all those fears, those pressures? Well, look at what word the psalm begins with. Lord. He prays his fears. He lays them before God. He is a man who has slayed a giant in armor with a pebble. And he knows better than to judge things by appearances. He's oppressed, but he prays in his fears. 
But as well as oppressed, secondly, verses 3 and 4, David is assured in heart. He, he prays out those fears, and what does he do next? He prays in truths about God, things greater than what he can see with his eyes. Have a look at verse 4. He, he calls to mind uh, four truths to God, four truths about the Lord. Um, sorry, verse 3. Firstly, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. God is a shield for David, a protector. Now, no kind of physical shield can kind of cover you on every side. You have to move it around depending where the attack's coming from. But God can offer protection greater than any human invention. The Lord is a shield. Secondly, the Lord is David's glory, the source of his dignity and his honor. Now, these things don't come from the fact that he's able to fight, the fact that he is wise or, or cunning, or what anyone else might say about him. No, his dignity, his honor, come from the fact that he belongs to the Lord, that he is the Lord's man. Thirdly, the Lord is the one who lifts David's head. It's a beautifully tender picture of someone who's ashamed. It's as if David, he can't look God in the eye, but he is invited to look up and see his loving gaze. The Lord knows that David has done many things wrong at this point. But David knows that to all he repents, the Lord gives honor instead of shame. He says, you can still come to me. And finally, David enjoys the gift of prayer. Verse 4, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. God doesn't leave him in this vacuum of silence and solitude waiting for reassurance. No, God hears and answers his king, even when he feels far away and lonely. So David is oppressed, yes, but he is assured in heart. How? Because of who his God is. His shield when he's vulnerable, his glory when he's stripped of dignity, the lifter of his head when he feels utter disgrace, the one who is present in prayer when he feels alone. David is assured in heart. But what difference does this assurance of heart actually make to, to David? Well, an awful lot. Verses 5 to 6, we see that assurance in heart becomes assurance in action. I lie down and sleep. Most of us will know sleeping is one thing that is quite hard to do under pressure. It messes with your sleep. I'm sure many of us have felt that in different ways. And David, he should know this better than anyone. We go to 1 Samuel 26. We see David on the run again, this time from Saul. And he sneaks into Saul's tent while Saul is asleep. He takes his spear and his water jug, but he spares Saul's life when he could have taken it. Now, David knows what it is to have someone sleeping in front of you whose life is in your hands. Surely that would make him anxious to close his eyes when he is on the run for his life. But no, David can sleep with all that is on his mind because of who his God is, his shield, his glory, the lifter of his head. And not only can he sleep, but maybe even more startling, he can wake up again. He has not been, he's not been murdered. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. And that's not because he's got a good power napping 
routine and he can kind of wake up like clockwork. No, the Lord brings him back. And when he wakes, look, he, he doesn't wake to this new day full of fears running around his mind. We'd expect that, wouldn't we? Suddenly they come flooding back the moment you're conscious. But verse 6, he wakes up and he says, I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Yes, David is oppressed, but he's assured in heart, and so he can be assured in action. He can enjoy those promises and act on them and sleep. And finally, we see that he is also delivered. Verse 7, arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. He cries out, confident in the victory that God will bring. This word, arise, Lord, is actually the prayer that God's people said uh, when the Ark of the Covenant went out to lead their people in their battles in Numbers 10. And David's got this in mind. In the same way, he's putting himself in the Lord's hands, trusting the Lord's protection, the Lord to go ahead of him. In verse 1, what did they say of him? There is no deliverance with God for David. But in verse 7, he says, deliver me. Verse 8, from the Lord comes deliverance. He is confident that the Lord will come good on his promises to his king. But there's a second part to his, his request. Not just deliver me, but deal with them. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked, he says. That sounds quite gross, doesn't it? To, to think of broken teeth and jaws. And you don't really want to think about the dentist on New Year's Day. But... This is more the image of a lion. A lion who seems so vicious is now harmless, has had its teeth pulled out. Make them defenseless, Lord. That's what he's saying. Humiliate my enemies. Uh, some of you may have come across the um, writer, preacher, Christopher Ashe. Um, on this psalm, he suggests someone, Im imagining someone saying, God will not deliver him. Imagine them with teeth and it feels threatening. Then imagine them without teeth. I'm not going to say it because it, it's just laughable, isn't it? That is what he is saying. Crush their teeth. You, 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 you can't take them seriously anymore. Deal with my enemies. Humiliate them. Take all of their ammunition away. David is oppressed. Yes, he is. He's facing all the pressures of a new day, maybe even a new year. But he's assured in heart so he can be assured in action and ultimately assured of deliverance. Any of those doubts in verse 1, they're overruled in his heart. And as we read through the Bible, we see that overruled in history as well. Absalom, he meets a sticky end, quite literally gets his hair stuck in a tree. Rebellion is quelled, David is delivered and restored. And as the king experiences this blessing of being restored to his rightful place, then the psalm ends with blessing overflowing from the king to God's people. Do we see that? May your blessing be on your people. It's like a, a set of dominoes. The king is blessed, and as the dominoes fall, the blessing overflows to everybody else. Those who are under David's rule. But this king will die. The blessing 
that the people who are under David will experience, well, that's only going to overflow for so long, isn't it? This deliverance will last for a time, but not forever. And David, he isn't our king, so what use is that to us? Unlike David, we don't find ourselves surrounded by tens of thousands of enemies, though some brothers and sisters around the world may well do. But our pressures often feel uh, quite different. No, we're not under David, but we are under Jesus. Now, he is a king who was oppressed. He is a king who was assured in heart, assured in action, and ultimately delivered. And the blessings that he won overflow to his people. But his reign will never end. And neither will the blessings that he brings. So let's go back through the psalm quickly and see how putting Jesus at the center might help us to sleep under pressure as we face a new year and a new day. So King Jesus, well, Jesus, he was oppressed. Verse 1, if anyone could say, Lord, how many are my foes? Well, it's the Lord Jesus, isn't it? Religious leaders, his family, even one of his very own disciples, Judas. Like David, Jesus knows what it is to be betrayed by someone so close to him. He knows what it is for a crowd to long for his death. He knows what it is to hear people say, like in verse 2, God will not deliver you. On the cross, they cried to him, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants But though Jesus was oppressed, he was also assured in heart. As Jesus walked through his own pressures day by day, he could say confidently again and again, we see in John's Gospel, that his hour had not yet come. Jesus knew the Lord as his shield around him. There were so many instances where the religious leaders, they tried to arrest him or or to kill him, But it doesn't happen until the right time. The Lord was his shield, his glory, the lifter of his head, the one that he depended upon in prayer. But Jesus wasn't just assured in his heart, he was assured in his action. It made a difference to how he lived. Like David, Jesus could sleep in the middle of a storm, this time a a literal one even when he's the one in the boat. But even more amazingly, he could walk to the holy hill of the Lord. He could give his life on a cross. Now, sleep in the Bible isn't always talking about getting 40 winks, but the sleep of death itself. Yes, Jesus slept as a man each day, but Jesus really died as a man. Jesus could say, yet not my will, but yours be done in the garden. He could say, into your hands I commend my spirit as he hung on a cross. Jesus has laid his body down in the sleep of death. Because even in those darkest moments, Jesus knew the Lord would lift his head from the shame of death on a cross to the glory of his heavenly throne. Jesus slept the sleep of death and faced the wrath of God, greater than the attacks of any man. But Jesus, 
woke up again. He rose on the third day because the Lord sustained him. Life could not be overcome by death in a sinless, suffering saviour. And like David, Jesus is delivered by the Lord. He not only rose again, but ascended to the Father where he intercedes for his people even now. And like David, Jesus obtains blessings which overflow to his people like dominoes. Unlike David, those blessings aren't temporary, but eternal. So what do those blessings mean for us? How does this psalm speak to us in our pressures? Well, three closing thoughts. Firstly, pray your fears. Pray your fears. David was oppressed. Jesus was oppressed. And we know from Jesus that he tells anyone who follows him to expect opposition, to expect not a life of ease or comfort. But both Jesus and David, they weren't so much delivered from their situations, sort of airlifted out, but delivered through them. We may face all sorts of pressure in the weeks, months, the year ahead, suffering, stress, persecution, indwelling sin, spiritual attack, and we might be delivered out of them soon, in our lifetime, in this year, but we're more likely to be delivered through them, as if we trudge each day, clinging on to God's promises until we get to glory. But what do we do with those fears, those pressures? We pray them, like David did, like Jesus did. We bring them to the one who holds the whole world in his hands. We start, like the psalm starts, with the word, Lord. Because in praying them, in praying our fears, secondly, we recall who we pray to. Verses 3 and 4, David does that. And we are to do that too. With Jesus as our shield, though we may feel under attack, we can remember that Jesus offers us more protection for our bodies than we could ever find anywhere elsewhere. Because even though our bodies may be taken from us, we will receive a new one in the new creation. Because Jesus gives us an inheritance that is eternal, kept for us, that cannot perish, spoil, or fade. Jesus, as our shield, is the safest place we can possibly be. And with Jesus as our glory, well, our dignity doesn't come from whatever man says about us, whether that's a family member, a friend, or an employer. Rather, our dignity comes from who God says we are in Christ. We are children of the King. We're forgiven. We are loved. We are heirs of the new creation. Recall who we pray to. Jesus is our shield, as our glory, and Jesus is the lifter of our heads. Whatever our disgraces, whatever our shames, we know that he lifts our heads until we meet his loving gaze, saying we are welcomed, we are washed clean by his blood. This psalm encourages us, don't look, don't look for another shield. Don't look for your glory elsewhere. Don't look for your head 
to be lifted by somebody else. Only Jesus can do these things. Only Jesus will help us sleep under pressure. And that's the third thing. We pray our fears, we recall who we pray to, who our God is, and we sleep on the promises. When we've called to mind who God is, we are free, free to close our eyes. Physically, because we know, well, the universe isn't in our hands. It will run whether we drop the ball on something or not. But also, in a sense, spiritually, we can sleep in death. We can close our eyes knowing, well, if I don't wake up here, I will wake up with the Lord. We know that we will wake up again somewhere because Jesus slept and Jesus rose again to defeat sin and death. One old saint uh, put it this way, let faith teach you how to sleep and how to die. Remembering that the same God watches over you in your bed and in your grave. Let me read that once more. Let faith teach you how to sleep and how to die. Remembering that the same God watches over you in your bed and in your grave. Each time we go to sleep at night is a little reminder that we rest in the arms of a loving saviour and we die safely in his arms. Each time we awake is a reminder that Jesus rose again, that we might rise again too. But even with these assurances, like David, the onward life of following the Lord can be hard. We still hear those little cries, don't we? God won't deliver her. God won't deliver him. God won't deliver me. We still sin, suffer, and doubt. And that's where we sleep, not just on the promise of what Jesus has done in our rescue, but what he's done to break the teeth of our enemies as well. Remember that picture, the toothless lion? That's not a picture of Absalom, but a picture of Satan. His power lies in the accusation of our sin, but now those words are muffled, they're muted, and even if they could be heard, the charges bear no hold on us, because Jesus has slept and woken for our salvation. His blood cancels all the debt of our sin and removes any hold Satan could have on us. So we sleep on the promises. Well, how do we sleep under pressure? How can we find assurance in our hearts but also in our actions? Well, there's so much more to be said. But as we go into this new year, I hope something from this psalm uh, will resonate with you and you'll be able to take it out into the week ahead. We look at David and look even more at, at Jesus and that we will be able to pray our fears, that we will be able to recall who we're praying to, our shield, our glory, the lifter of our heads, and that in God's kindness we'll be able to sleep on the promises that he's given us. Let me take a moment and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that you are a God who is present with us in distress as well as in joy. And Lord, 
You know each of our hearts. You know each of the pressures and stresses and strains we feel about the year ahead. We pray that you would help us to bring them to you. We pray that you would help us to turn to you as our shield, as our glory, as the one who lifts our heads and nobody else. And that as we enjoy the goodness of who you are, as we enjoy the confidence we have in what Jesus has won for us and what he has done to our enemies, that we would be able to sleep, to rest, and to trust in you all the more. In Jesus' name, amen.